coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. TT Games never told you when LEGO Star Wars was coming out. They told me enough. They told me spring 2021. No, Mark. It is delayed. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you this week. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Lego Star Wars being delayed. And then on Thursday, we're playing Kid Icarus. But in the meantime, Mark, how's it going? It's going great. I um, feel like we are always blessed when Star Wars can be organically brought up on this show. Instead Truly, of us just yes. like <laughs> just not, shoehorning it just in, absolutely just like cramming it in where it does not want mm-hmm. to go. Yeah, like any time I try to bring up Star Wars with like my parents or something, <laughs> they don't want to hear about it. They haven't seen a Star Wars movie in thirty years. Um. Yes. No. It. Uh, but uh, you know, only uh, we'll we'll get to it obviously in the yeah, news, we'll but only ba- only bad news today. Someday, presumably. It will be it'll be good news. <laughs> uh, speaking of mostly bad news, but maybe someday it'll be good news. My copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can, or at least you can try by emailing us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com and giving us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of this game. I pay for the postage there and return postage. You have like zero responsibilities and it costs you nothing. So get on the list. Uh, one thing that might happen to you is you may end up with my copy of Untitled Goose Game. It's a goose. You can't really control it. It's going to do what it's going to do. Does that ruin the program? Does it improve the program? Uh, both things are impossible because it was perfect before and it's perfect now. So uh, it, it it maintains its perfection. Um, Mark, we got an email from Chris, uh, who had previously borrowed my copy of Sonic Forces that I would like to read to you now. Chris says, NCS. I fear that I may have been wrong about Sonic Forces. Years back, I borrowed your copy of the game and sent a written report on the game when I sent it back. I have since come across my uh, come across a copy on my own and have just rolled credits on Sonic Forces. Perhaps I judged this game too harshly. Don't get me wrong, it's not a good game, but it did hold my attention long enough to finish it, and if I wanted to uh, go, there's more stuff to unlock and do. The game is frustrating at times. It's filled with dozens of cheap deaths. Luckily, the deaths are mostly inconsequential. You usually start right back uh, or near where you just died. Uh, I did enjoy the the game's characters and even chuckled a few times. Uh, Also enjoyed the game's villain, Infinite. Uh, Infinite is the name of the villain. uh, but most of all, I enjoyed the music. The songs in the game, as with the other 3D Sonic games, are so bad, they're good. That's all. I just felt like I owed Sonic Forces another shake. I'll probably never pick up the game again, but I'm glad to make it through this adventure with Sonic and his pals. Keep up the good work. Your friend, Chris. Chris, turn it around completely. I'm glad to hear it. I feel like, um, in some small way, the Sonic Forces borrowing program planted the seed for Chris to eventually return and have that seed be like a proud oak, standing tall, Chris shouting from the mountaintops, his love for Sonic Forces. And if that's not what the borrowing program is all about, I don't don't know if they love. (laughs) It sounds like you tolerated it. (laughs) Unveiling a banner, a flag, flying proudly, Chris loves Sonic Forces. Bringing his families down to the docks to wave as Sonic (laughs) Forces comes in. Uh, yeah, so, you know, get on the list and you can, uh, learn to hate Sonic Forces a little less, just like Chris. Um, speaking of things that you can learn to hate a little bit less, we are playing Kid Icarus this month, uh, and the very first of these episodes about the Kid Icarus series, uh, is this Thursday. We are going to be discussing the original Kid Icarus on this Thursday's episode, April 8th, um, 
I uh, earlier recommended the 3D Classics version because it has a save uh, feature and it fixes uh, pits jump a little bit. But it turns out uh, that you can play it on a number of different uh, devices. You can play it on your Switch, on the Nintendo Switch Online. It's just there in the library. It's in the uh, NES Classic Edition if you have one of those. Uh, so play it so you can, uh, you know... Uh, Listen along and play along with us um, on Thursday's episode. Next week, uh, April 15th, we are talking Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters for the Game Boy. And then on April 22nd, we are discussing Kid Icarus Uprising for the 3DS. So get in on all of those. Um, we uh, And normally at this point, I throw to you to be like, Mark, how are you enjoying the game so far? But it, since we're talking about it on Thursday, I feel like let's let's shut it down now. Yeah, I will say nothing. Say nothing. Speaking of when maybe I shouldn't have said anything, uh, on last Thursday's episode, we had a rousing conversation about Nintendo idiots with our good friend Greg Smith, um, and I brought up uh, Blanca from the Street Fighter series as one of my favorite Street Fighter idiots, um, and then sort of veered into talking about a character from Street Fighter V who believes himself to be a truck, um, and I kept calling him Axel, because I thought his name was Axel. Turns out his name is Abigail, um, and not oh. Axel. Um, I, yeah, I think I might have been thinking of the twisted metal character whose name is Axel, um, or maybe I was thinking of Alex, who's a different Street Fighter character. Who knows what I was thinking? I was wrong. I mean, Axel's not a terrible name if you were going to invent one for a person who thinks that they're a truck. I mean, it's weirder that the character's name is Abigail, right? A hundred percent. Uh, and Abigail, uh, when I like read up on him, he's like eight and a half feet tall <laughs> he's like <laughs> 600 pounds he doesn't make any sense he's wonderful okay so i mean yeah like if i were eight and a half feet tall and like 600 pounds i think i might i might believe myself a truck as well i would at that point have more in common with a truck perhaps than a person um mark before we move into like the regular parts of our show we got an email um from colton who uh, is addressing some of the like new Switch Pro or Switch revisions or you know whatever um, sort of rumors that have been uh, bubbling, uh, and it, it's a it's a meaty email with multiple parts. Uh, so I figured let's let's address all of this. Uh, talking, look, we are hitting now our, our weekly quota of talking about Switch revisions, so we're we're doing it here. Um, and so here is Colton's email. He says, uh, "Mark and Patrick, uh, I'm writing in some thoughts I have about the rumors of the Switch Pro." Number one, Bloomberg is reporting this. Why is this significant? A business and marketing news website is going to target their readers, businessmen, and investors. So the information must come from supply chain data and interpreted by market business, market and business analysts. If a company like Nintendo purchases millions of OLED screens, it's pretty easy to tell what, they, what it would be for. This is grossly simplified, but you can see where, uh, this is where I'm going with this. A Switch Pro is definitely happening soon. Um, so on point number one, I totally agree that uh, the fact that Bloomberg is reporting on it and that they are getting like supply side uh, uh, sources um, means for sure something is happening. A switch revision is on the way. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, I think when we have talked about it in the past, I, uh, my intention was not to sound like skeptical that a switch revision is happening more than just like. I can't wrap my head around exactly how, how this is all going to be packaged and presented to us and like when. Because I think that it is true that Bloomberg is reporting this, but I also feel like Bloomberg and other reputable sources like Wall Street Journal have been reporting this for like two years. And so, you know, like uh, to me, it's a question of timing, like if it really will be this fall um, or if it'll be like a little bit later. But I, I, I think the point is well taken. Yeah, like um reputable source for sure uh and if nintendo's buying like 100 million oled screens or whatever there's not really a question as to what their purpose is going to be yeah absolutely so golden great point there point number two um precedent for higher priced consoles patrick had mentioned they didn't think there was a precedent for a higher price model but remember but remember the wii u launched at uh 299 for the basic model and 349 for the deluxe model um Mark, and I'll, I guess I'll just throw the question back at the question itself. Do you remember the no, Wii U? <laughs> I absolutely did not remember. Like, when uh, I was reading this, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was the case. There was, like, yeah. a white Wii U, bas like, basic version um, that didn't come bundled with Nintendo Land. 
I forgot. I totally forgot about the deluxe version. Um, that's the one that just exists in my head as like what Wii U is. Um, I forgot that it had stuff like because I had to look it up after uh, Colton mentioned it. Like I forgot that it had a like you got ten percent back on all your eShop purchases and like oh like did benefits you? like that. Yeah, weird. Totally. Yeah, completely. I know. I uh, completely. And it was only I think like fifty or sixty dollars more or something like that. Yeah, uh, Colton has it as as fifty dollars more here. Um, yeah, and you know I I feel like that is um like a little bit of a, a relic of the time, which I understand is not actually that long ago, but like around the launches of the like PlayStation three and four, they were also doing like two different uh, like base models of of the systems, right? Like it, that that was sort of a a more common thing then than it is now, which isn't to say that Nintendo is necessarily like chasing those trends, but like. You know, there there are two different models of the uh, Xbox and um, you know the Xbox Series uh, X and S and the uh, PlayStation Five. There's the disc and discless discless versions of it, uh, and I feel I feel like those are really where like the dividing lines are. Um, but maybe I'm just talking myself back into like, yeah, everyone else is doing it. Why why wouldn't Nintendo? Yeah, it's weird because I I think you're right that like it's I. Uh... I think it started with that like PlayStation three generation um, when you had like different sizes of uh, like uh, hard drives, right? Hard drive. That's them, yeah. thank you. That's sort of like different sizes of hard drives. Um, PlayStation three was especially weird because, you know, like you had backwards compatibility for the PlayStation oh, two, like yeah. completely removed. But then, you know, like you go into the pro era and I do think that these bifurcated SKUs are something that is more common now um i think the piece that we haven't well actually that's not even true i i guess the pro the pro was more expensive than like the playstation 4 pro is more yeah. expensive than the base model so yeah maybe it is uh maybe it wouldn't be that crazy for nintendo to um because i uh to follow that trend because i do feel like nintendo is more of a follower in that sort of way where they let others establish those sorts of business models and then nintendo uh like on like i feel like Charging for online is a good example of that, where it's just like other people tread the ground and Nintendo follows. And I guess I could see that here. Um, yeah, guess no reason not. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the thing that makes this super difficult is that like even while we do have like the the precedent of there being you know like system upgrades in the past and uh, you know different pricing for base models versus deluxe models, um, like we've never seen Nintendo in this exact mode before, where they have one piece of hardware right and it's been out long enough that it's like it could stand to be refreshed it could even stand to be totally reinvented in the next like year or so um and like what exactly is going to happen we just have no that we have no history to guide us i know it's just weird because like the i feel like the piece of history we do have is the 3ds and like the 2ds but i feel like that's such a it's like not the same thing as much as it yeah. is it just does not feel like the same thing at all yeah uh, well, and also the how Nintendo ever got people like straight on the 3DS and the 2DS and the new 2DS and the new 3DS and what's XL and what's not XL. Like there are just so many different versions of that same product that are steps up and down and to the side and up. <laughs> but the kind of the way they avoided it, and that's why I'm curious about this Switch revision, because when the new 3DS came out, there was not really very many options. Like the legacy 3DS uh, stopping like was not sold anymore, and they didn't make any new ones of those. And only the new 3DS XL was available in North America. That was your only option. Eventually, like special editions and stuff like that started bringing the regular size new 3DS. But I'm pretty sure when it first launched, it was just like XL or nothing. Yes, that that is correct. But then there was also the difference between like the 3DS vanilla and the 3ds xl and then also the 2ds and the 2ds xl and which yeah. was also new i mean like it's it, it, it was a whole thing yeah i just feel like they did those at different times like the new 2ds yeah. didn't come until like totally. later and all that kind of stuff um and i guess we're already sort of seeing uh nintendo having done the um the switch light already right so like there's there's revision one already down um colton's third point here is nintendo may get away with charging 399 for a pro model assuming that there is still a basic model on sale for 299 even though there were rumors that nvidia is discontinuing their tegra x1 uh mariko chip 
uh, powering the current model, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be a die shrink of the same chip coming in that takes advantage of the newer technology not available during the initial production. Uh, this already happened once in the Switch's life, so it could easily happen again. The launch model versus the red box model is the example um, of what's already happened. Nintendo could just uh, just use the same chip for both models. They, uh, they've been the superior chips for the Pro and the inferior chips for the standard model. Intel, AMD, NVIDIA do this all the time. Um, so getting a little in the weeds there on like the tech specs, um, uh, and I'm not... Yeah, what, 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 what's, what's your reaction to that, Mark? Uh, that I barely comprehended, but I think the point is that like you could just use the same chip in the uh, deluxe system, in the regular system, mm -hmm. And then, uh, but like the clock speeds could be different and that would be enough to um, like differentiate them. Yeah. But I mean, like how, how that relates to um, differences in pricing, I guess, I mean, all of it is just going to have to, we'll, we'll have to <laughs> have to yeah. see. Like oh, it's, yeah. It, it, it's all speculation at that point. Um, and then uh, point number four, I hope the switch is a plat. I hope the switch is a platform going forward. The success of the iPhone and iPad has proven the small handheld and tablet model. I totally think Nintendo uh, flopped with the Wii U. I felt so before its abysmal release and life, uh, but, <laughs> but they have something special going with the Switch, and I hope it continues um, to uh, it iterate, uh, keeping in mind backwards, backwards and forwards compatibility xbox style long story short the switch pro is coming and sorry patrick i think that nintendo will totally call it a switch pro they do sell a pro controller love the show so glad you were both keeping this going during despite the pandemic colton um on that last point i'll push back nintendo's not gonna call it a, a pro I, no way man <laughs> i agree with you patrick and i think you cracked the code earlier colton i think it's going to be if it's anything as i think it's going to be deluxe yeah deluxe makes a lot of sense i it's gonna they're gonna call it something uh that I think no one's gonna like. <laughs> I don't and, and I think it probably won't be anything that we've seen before. They probably won't call it new, they probably won't call it advanced, and they probably won't call it super. Like it's gonna be something else, and it may just be the Nintendo Switch, and then they take the other ones off off the market. Like, I don't know. It's uh I, I do agree. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, now would be a bold time for them to be like, the Nintendo Switch was the uh, like second project name. Like the, uh, wh oh, what do you call that? Oh, man, I to I'm totally nerfing this. But basically, they will reveal grandly that the Switch is no longer and it is the Wii U 2. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, a, that's like the, uh, the pro not prototype name. Now I can't get it right. I know. It's like code I know. name, right? Is that code what, name. Is that what yeah, it's called? Yeah, you're right. That's, yeah. that's, what I was, that's what I was reaching for. Like when the Switch was the NX or uh, like the GameCube was like Project Dolphin or something. Will the Wii U be t 10 years old next year? Yeah, Is I think next so. year the 10-year anniversary? Oh, first of all, so. that's crazy. Second of all, uh, we better start planning our like Wii U tribute now because next year is going to be big. Listeners, I'm telling um, did, you, it's going a year long <laughs> celebration of the Wii U. Did we not already hold a funeral for the Wii U, or maybe <laughs> maybe it was the 3DS or something? I I I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember. know. We've done we've done like 500 of these episodes. So. <laughs> um, Colton, thank you so much for writing in. Lots to think about and talk about there. And I'm sure we will be talking about it for a good long time. Mark, how many more like mainline d directs do you think we're going to get before we hear about the the new model of Switch? Or does not mm. not even like is that even on a different timeline altogether? I think it's on a different timeline. I I don't think we'll see it in a like in a direct. I think it'll be its mm -hmm. own unique thing. Possibly just like a surprise like late Monday, early Tuesday morning like. Twitter announcement. Right. The thing that is, again, like not to harp on this too much, where I'm just like, my poor mortal brain cannot understand how this fits in. Like, uh, I just don't understand. Nintendo is having difficulty keeping the Switch in stock, even like now as we speak. Like, it's sold out on yeah. uh, Amazon in the US. And so I think like it's not as bad as the shortages last year, but it is still like difficult to find in some places. And so, how they're going to be able to introduce this, like, new model when the old one cannot be kept in stock like i 
this whole thing just I, I feel like uh, Roadrunner and Coyote like um I just never I I just don't understand what's going on here. Yeah, no, I agree with that one hundred percent, and especially because um like there is a uh like processor shortage just like going on in in general um that uh you know has also made the other next generation consoles uh tough to come by um it it makes me wonder if like nintendo is really getting their supplies in order getting their inventory in order before they even announce that this thing is going to happen so that they have a bunch of units to sell because they know they can um like i but yeah i I hope I hope that that's what like my fantasy is that they're doing that and that they are prepared for what will be an absolute like crunch of demand for this thing. Um all right, uh Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Fire Emblem uh, Birthrights. Am I still playing it? Uh you bet I am. Uh I am now getting to the point where uh, I, I have crossed the threshold of like, oh, the game's getting more difficult, and so I'm in danger of losing units, and now I'm just, everyone is overpowered, uh, the relationships between my characters are too good, um, I went into a, like, a, a challenge map that, like, was, you know, in line with the levels of my characters, where I was like, okay, uh, let's see if I can do this, and I put, um, my Corin, my, my female Corin, the, the main character, I put her in there with her husband, uh, and with his child, and with her child. So four of them together, they're all family. That's it. No other, it was like, you want to put in like eight more units. And I was like, nah, just these four. And it just steamrolled them. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, Dustin, uh, li- listener Dustin, who had written in previously about um, uh, playing Xenoblade uh, and uh, like finding good ways to just like uh, spam his way through there uh we we, we've been emailing about about this game as i complained that there was no one who would be like 75 percent of the way through the game um but it's 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 a it's so remarkable to me how like many different approaches uh one can take like we were uh sharing uh, who we had like paired off together and like who was having kids and like how we approach the game and it's uh, amazing he plays the game one way i play the game a totally different way that's both valid ways it's 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 so good I, i i i just love this game uh, but then uh, this weekend, I played a little bit. That I, I'm sorry we didn't shout it out on last week's news episode, uh, but I played the uh, Knockout City cross-platform beta. I'm so curious to hear about your experience. So, Because I downloaded the beta. I forgot that it was happening and then saw some people talking about it. So I downloaded it, but didn't have a chance to try it out. But the reactions I was seeing were super positive. And so uh, I was wondering if you had fun with it, too. Yeah, it's fun. The character movement is like really fun and fluid and fast. Um, everything looks like you know bright and colorful and fun um, in like a specific kind of way. Like it, it doesn't feel like uh, generic uh, at all, right? Um, and even has um, obviously there's like some Splatoon sort of similarities, just in the like your people in like an an urban environment, and it's the the game is a a, a dodgeball game, right? A three on three um online multiplayer dodgeball game um and so like it's got the sort of like low stakes um almost shooter quality to it but you know definitely like totally free of violence um and uh it's also got like a little bit of the depth to it that splatoon does where like different balls have different um uh attributes and you know it takes a while to learn how to like catch a ball uh that's thrown at you it takes a while to learn how to like bounce a ball back at someone when you're holding a ball in your hand and they throw one at you. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I maybe played for like 45 minutes on, on Saturday uh, and I liked it. I think I am interested in this game when it comes out. That is super exciting to hear because uh, yeah, at the reveal, I thought it looked cool, but was worried that like, Oh, if I don't know anybody who to play it with. I don't know. There'll be that much fun. I think it's only like 20 or 30 bucks. So when it comes out, we should oh. definitely pick it up. Yeah, no, it, I mean, if it's if it's only twenty bucks, like for sure, thirty probably also for sure. Um, yeah, and you know the uh, the beta only had, you know, a, a single map, um, but there were a lot of character customization options um, from like outfits and voices and body types and faces and all this kind of stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm expecting the the full game to have obviously 
more stages, um, but just even more variety to uh, character creation and all of that. It was, I mean, it, it was fun and fast and like, um, you know, the connection was reliable and everything. I had a good time with it. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I've been playing Super Mario 3D World. You know, I rolled credits on it last week, but have been making my way through like Star World. And uh, I think I, and I did Mushroom World and now I'm on to Flower World or whatever the order is. I can't remember. That's the order. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is like after a while, I was like, they just stopped putting stamps in levels. They are yeah. just like, no, like either... I, I don't know why exactly. Not that I, I'm not minding that I don't have to like find yet another thing in some of these levels, which are um, at the end just get a little more like hectic and because they're short or they're fast or they have some sort of like variable in it that uh, makes it a little more complicated. So have to have yet another um, like collectible I'm supposed to find in those levels uh wouldn't necessarily be great but it's just interesting that at some point they're just like and no you no longer collect stamps <laughs> and you got them all you got all the stamps <laughs> well i don't i definitely don't have all the stamps mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah i'm 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 enjoying it and of course i've also been playing uh kid icarus i've been playing the 3d classics version but i am sworn to secrecy until thursday's episode so let that be a right. cliffhanger to get you to tune in when we talk about kid icarus um, I am also playing uh, Kid Icarus, but I have not been playing the 3D Classic version. Oh. So let that be a different kind of cliffhanger. Um, so we definitely got to talk about both of them on Thursday. Um, all right, Mark, let's, uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, April 6th, Star Wars Republic Commando is released on the Switch. This is another one of the like uh, up-res remakes. I, I don't even, it's not really a remake. It's um, just like a, yeah, up-res remaster, I guess is what you would call it, of a game what's, from the like GameCube era. What's the name of the company that's putting these out? It's, Aspire, it's I think. A-S-P-Y-R, yes. yeah. Um, I, we've talked about before, like I, uh, I bought the Episode One Racer when that was released. And I know that they're, like, remasters of lots of stuff. But, like, the ethics of these, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it, where it's like, okay, I'm sure, like, Aspire paid for the license from whoever the license holder is. But, like, the original developers, I don't think get anything for this, which I think is a little strange. But um, maybe I should just view it as, like, these, uh, in quotes, live-action remakes that Disney has been doing right of like the sure. Lion King and Beauty and the Beast where like I don't think the original filmmakers get anything for those movies either. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean it, th- these almost feel like um like exercises in preservation almost where it's yeah. like you know the the game can still be purchased in in some capacity uh, and like is legit. Um although if it was originally an Xbox game it's probably still playable on uh like an Xbox series uh machine right yeah but i don't know i mean that that is a good point i yeah it's just i don't know how to feel about this it's complicated i think um on thursday april 8th cozy grove is released on switch patrick tell me a little bit about cozy grove so i've had my eyes on uh cozy grove i'm trying to get a code for it right now (laughs) um but it, it is it look it's like a uh animal crossing in a graveyard where you are um talking to ghosts and doing things for them it looks super cute, and I want to try it out. So um, that that comes out on Thursday, and you know, I won't stop playing uh, actual Animal Crossing, but maybe something to like wean me off uh, <laughs> might might be nice. And then on Friday, April 9th, The Legend of Heroes: Trails of Cold Steel Four is released on Switch. Um, Three was released sometime last year, and uh, I think this closes out the uh, Trails of Cold Steel story. So. There you go. Um, All right. Uh, Those are the new releases. Let's close this segment out. Which brings us, of course, to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, we have a suggestion here from Brennan for our 433 episode. 
that is um, we rank board games slash card games or pick the definitive best game. So this is a tough one, and a, uh, this is a this is a tall order. Um, so how would you like to approach this? Well, I Patrick, do you have a favorite board game? One that you is like your go-to or one that you have fond memories of? I guess one that you would put in the pantheon of greats. Sure. So, I mean, I, I feel like my taste in board games is pretty vanilla. I do like to sample, um, you know, uh, the more like modern board games, stuff from like the last 30 years that is more like, you know, a card store style uh, board game. Um, I like to sample that stuff, but I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not really a, an owner of those types of games. I can never really get too deep into them. Um, Sarah often gets frustrated by the rules of them. Um, so like when friends come over and bring theirs, uh, it, it'll, it will be a fun night eventually, but it doesn't start that way. <laughs> um, but I would say that, uh, recently, like in the last probably 10 years, um, my favorite game to like revisit is the Monopoly deal card game. Have I ever made you play Monopoly deal with me? No, I'm not familiar with it. It's great. Um, it is a card game that moves really fast. Uh, that takes all of what's fun about Monopoly and like tosses out all of the garbage, um, and it's just like fun. And you can get like five or six people playing it uh, at a time. It's it's really good. No, that that's I mean taking Monopoly and throwing out the garbage sounds like uh, an ideal board game. For me, right. this probably won't um, surprise people based on uh, the fact that I won't shut up about Murder She Wrote, but. Uh, I, for, as far as classic board games go, I think Clue is unbeatable for me. I really, really like wow. um, Clue. But uh, one of those, like, uh, more, I guess, like, modern board games or more, like, complex board games um, from the past few years, the one that I really, really like is Pandemic. And I really like mm -hmm. that one because it's, like, team-oriented. And I think that that is a fun like switch up of the board game dynamic like i like those board games that are cooperative because i think that's like a yeah. fun way to interact with a group because i feel like board games like it's like playing video games with people where it's like if everybody doesn't have like an equal level of interest or skill it can be like not as fun like when you and i play uh, have occasionally played fighting games it's so uh like lopsided right like yeah, that sure. it's not really fun for either of us for very long and i feel like uh these cooperative board games like pandemic are a good way to have everybody be involved yeah totally I, 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 cooperative board games for sure i just feel like i don't i don't encounter too many of them right like yeah um, totally that like they, they're so frequently like i know there's there's like a, a trend for like a little bit of like an asynchronous where it's like one player against like the rest of them or like someone's in more of a like a dm kind of role um one of my favorite board games growing up was a a game called hero quest which was like you know dungeons and dragons super super light right um which was all like exploration and combat like zero role playing um but it required one person to be uh you know the zargon character which is the the, the dm <laughs> um and i remember like playing that role a lot just because i wanted like other people and like you know the the game that game is set up as though it is zargon versus the players but i always just played it as like a, no i'm just facilitating everyone else having a good time um but yeah what do, do, do you have any like card game go go to's um growing up we would play a lot of like rook or games like with with rook cards but i don't mm -hmm. did i I went through maybe a year or two long period in my like mid twenties, early twenties, where I was like super into Texas Hold'em, uh, and <laughs> like I was like way, yeah. way into yeah. it. And I was never like great, but I was good enough that I could like I could hold my own through a night. And um, but then it was it was like that time that I ate too many Sour Patch Kids. And I didn't want to eat anymore. It was right. like, I had too much Texas Hold'em. And I was like, I just, I don't want to do Never this Never want to play this again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do, do you like the, like the gambling side of that? Or like the, even if you're not using real money or like super low stake stuff, like, do you, do you like that component of it? I like, I, well, I guess we'll never know. We will, in fact, never know. Uh, we were accompanied today by the uh, Gandini Juggling Troupe. 
All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Well, as you may have surmised um, from the opening of our show, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has been delayed again. Uh, last week, the developer put out the following statement, quote, all of us at TT Games are working hard to make Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga the biggest and best ever Lego game, but we're going to need more time to do it. We won't be able to make our intended spring release date, but we'll provide updated launch timing as soon as possible, end quote. So this is the second delay for the game, which was originally due out at the end of 2020. And I actually, or I think it might have been due out, now that I'm saying that, I think it might have been due out like in earlier 2020 um, around, because like in what I'll call the launch window of The Rise of Skywalker, and then it got sure. like pushed to the end of 2020. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. I might be wrong. But we, we you and I saw this game at uh, E3 2019. Uh, it was a hands-off demo, just um, watching one of the developers do some gameplay. And this game looks awesome. It looks rad. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I wish that there weren't... Because, like, what, all that we've really seen, um, you know, not at E3 has just been, like, sort of snippets of stuff, right? And, like, the promise of... Like, oh, yeah, it's a different style of Lego game. You're, like, actually flying to these worlds, and they're, like, open worlds that you get to explore um, and, like, get quests and, like, tasks to, uh, to things to achieve, like, on, on that map. Um, and, like, seeing the dude play it uh, in that demo, like, genuinely was that. Like, it seemed open and big and exciting and fun. Um, and, like, you know, on, on the one hand, like, yeah, take whatever time you need, like, Whatever you need to do, massage that uh, Rise of Skywalker story as best you can. <laughs> Wasn't there something about that a, a couple weeks ago where they're like, where they addressed um, some of the like narrative leaps in Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, yeah. But that from that few weeks ago, we learned also that like you'll be able to play any of the nine films in any order, so it's not chronological. Yeah. Um, there's going to be something absurd like eighty playable characters, including Yaddle, or uh, Yaddle. Um, like it it just seems um you know i've played a few lego games in the past but it's been since the playstation 3 era like i haven't played any of yeah. them recently but this is one where i'm like this looks awesome like i cannot wait for this game i also think there's something to and obviously this isn't why this is happening but i think we'll probably benefit the game in the long run that there's maybe even like the further we get away from the release of the skywalker saga the more inviting it is to revisit it like you know we've mentioned on the this show and in private to each other like how much the rise of skywalker like took star wars like excitement out of like uh you know it was like hot air leaving a balloon right they're just like blah, blah, blah. and like yeah we still want to see mandalorian and we still like like star wars and whatever but like i i haven't uh been able to like revisit that movie or those movies um and uh i i would like to um in like a context that's like genuinely fun and i think that this game could be that and if it's a, a, even a little bit more distance between when we saw it, uh, when we saw Rise of Skywalker and this game comes out, like, I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree completely. I think that um, uh, it will, it can only benefit. And I think Sky, Rise of Skywalker will benefit from the deftly light touch of the Lego games. Yes, correct. YouTuber Michael Pick, aka the casual engineer, has made the largest fully functional Nintendo Switch. Um, wow. So-called. It is a, on a, vid a video on his channel shows him fabricating and playing the system, which is more than six times the size of a regular Switch because it is a big screen TV in this like Switch encasing and it, ha it, it has a Switch inside of it. And it also has two Joy-Con which are not removable, but are playable. So I guess it's like a, a Nintendo Switch Lite almost. But and the yeah. way the way that the um, the Joy-Con are playable is like it's all so ingenious. Like um, there is a uh, the Joy-Con are inside with the Switch, and then um, you know there's uh, when you're clicking when you're when you hit the large buttons on the big Joy-Con, it is you know like um, uh, activating some servos that are clicking the smaller buttons. 
But then the the analog sticks are basically just tied with like rubber bands to the uh to the actual Joy-Con analog stick. So as you're moving the oversized one, it is moving the smaller one. It's just it's really cool. Yeah, uh, no, no word on uh, whether there's a giant HD rumble <laughs> or if the giant a, uh, IR camera works. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing it doesn't. <laughs> you can really feel how many ice cubes are inside the uh, enormous. Yeah, they're enormous ice cubes. <laughs> um, the pick is donating the switch to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Uh, it's really cool to see it in action. Um, so, yeah, you can check out the video on his channel. Yeah, no, it's and and you know, obviously, just like a, a a weird novelty fun thing, but like, what a cool fun thing! I I, I like this so much. Just a, a gigantic switch is very funny looking. Uh, speaking of fan made projects, let's talk about Prime Two D. So, uh, a demo for the fan made Two D Metroid Prime remake or demake uh, was teased on April Fool's Day, but was made made available for real on the game's forums the next day. Uh, it's, brought, it's brought to you by a group of developers called Team SCU. Uh, they've been working on it in one form or another since 2004, so a long time in the making. Um, includes many of the original game's features, like the scan visor, and it's set on Talon 4. Uh, Samus has 360-degree aiming to emulate the freedom of movement in Prime. Patrick, you have a note here that it's uh, pretty similar to if you played Samus Returns on the 3DS. Yeah, I, I mean, with, with a little bit more, I mean, it, it looks like they're doing it uh, in the demo with just like a the the mouse pointer that like there, there's a, a pointer, a cursor mm, on mm-hmm. screen. Um, and so you can uh, have that be kind of anywhere. And that's always where Samus is uh, pointing her gun. Uh, it's also like it's cool to see and hear like the atmosphere of Metroid Prime recreated in pixel art with a uh, chiptunes aesthetic. Uh, but you know, with all of these fan projects, the question is kind of like, when's it going to get shut down by Nintendo? Well, and... hold on, let's have let's have fun with it before <laughs> before we get to the inevitable. When does Nintendo shut it down? Okay. Um, it it is a it's a it's a cool looking demo. I haven't actually downloaded it yet, but I I was watching some videos. Um, and like, uh, it's, it's cool to see that, like, uh, you know, that moment where Samus like walks into a room and like the bug things like burst out of the ground. Um, like it it was such a like sensory memory for me. Um, but, uh, you know, it recontextualized into, into a 2d space and like these guys did a really good job. These developers, guys and gals, who knows? I don't know. Um, uh, did a, a great job of, uh, you know, capturing this atmosphere and making it look like you know more advanced than like super metroid it almost looks like it's a 32-bit aesthetic Mm, or like mm -hmm. something like a game boy advance plus you know um and like the uh the the chiptune arrangements of the um spooky prime music i don't know it's 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 pretty neat yeah it's it's such a fun idea but again how long do we think (laughs) That yeah. this remains up because so there was a fan remake of uh Metroid 2 um Return of Samus that launched like the same year as Samus Returns or something like that. I can't remember exactly the timeline, but it was before Nintendo announced that uh Samus Returns was even being made or existed. And yeah, I I believe uh so and and that 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 remake is uh AM2R another Metroid 2 remake. Oh yeah, okay. Um and I, I believe they premiered that like just the the spring before the E3 where Nintendo uh revealed their own Metroid uh Metroid 2 remake. Um and so Nintendo was like day one, like the second it was available, they um served them a cease and desist letter. And as of uh this recording, there has not been any Nintendo response um to the Prime 2D. Yeah, that's what I, I couldn't remember if um if Nintendo had shut down the fan remake of metroid 2 immediately or if they left it if they allowed it to be up for like a day or something i couldn't remember the timeline of that no it, it was it was immediately i mean um a am uh am2r was uh you know sort of a uh, a thing that was like in the ether for a while it was like a known quantity as, as they were developing it 
Um, whereas, you know, uh, this Prime 2D has obviously been around for a while. They've been working on it for a while. But, you know, even uh, just a couple of days ago when they, uh, like, teased the demo, uh, it was seen as uh, an April Fool's joke. Like, I think they're just better at keeping, like, a, a lid on this thing until it's in any form yeah. to show. So, like, by the time uh, AM2R was ready to show itself, Nintendo was like, we know what this is. We know it's obviously infringing on something that's ours and that we're going to do ourselves later this year so like legal action was uh you know I- inevitable and like happened so fast and in this case you know it's it's only been a couple days uh se- since um the-, the demo was up um and they haven't done anything yet likely because they don't have any like uh, metroid prime news uh you know of of their own to share um but it does it does feel a little weird that nintendo hasn't pounced on it yet yeah i wonder if the fact that it's a demo has anything to do with it. Whereas mm. I think when uh, AM2R was released, it when they shut it down, it was like the full game. And yeah. like yeah, a good point. that was out there and released. And then this is just kind of like a demo that in one form or another has been in the works, you know, for 17 years. So, you know, I, maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. I have no idea. I also wonder like how much... Nintendo truly even like legally has a leg to stand on here now that I'm thinking about it because the name of the game is Prime 2D, right? Uh they they don't have uh Metroid in it and you know uh A <laughs> AM2R uh is another Metroid 2 remake, right? Like that is that they they are using the the Metroid um like IP in the name of the game. Um and then like we're recreating maps from a, a 2D game in 2D. You know what I mean? Like there's sort yeah. of like a one for one thing there. Whereas like the gameplay and the worlds need to be like totally reinvented for, um, you know, for this prime 2D, like until they're trying to sell something and calling the characters like Samus and like Metroids and stuff, like there might not actually be much of much of a place to, uh, to um, object to it. Yeah, that that totally could be. Um, I think you and I both live in fear every day that uh, Nintendo's going to eventually find out about us and ask us to change the name of this podcast. But um, so hopefully it's not just the the uh, AM2R using a trademark term in the title that got them a strike. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But uh, you, there are so many. I mean, if everything with Nintendo in its name got shut down um yeah oh yeah couple, for sure a couple things would get would get shut down <laughs> and we could we could just go to ncs i think that's fine <laughs> uh and finally last sunday april 4th was not only easter but also 800 days since nintendo last gave an update about metroid prime 4 so that is of course a very long time a very long time uh to be fair the update at was that they're starting development over from scratch with Retro Studios. Uh, I think back in January, we commemorated whatever, it was like 700 and whatever many days. Uh, And we did that with an episode where we talk about what we want to see in Metroid Prime 4. So you should go back and check that out if you haven't already. And what we do not want to see. It, it, I, I recall that we, we realized we were developing like twin lists of what we want to see and what we do not want to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, 800 days feels like, a, feels like a very long time. But I also don't, I mean, we'll see Splatoon 3 before we see this thing, right? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, release, <laughs> I, no think, I think for sure. Yeah. There's no way to know. I think release, yeah, I think Splatoon 3 three will release before this does but also like i kind of don't count last year where it's like eh, the pandemic yeah and then also the beginning of this year yeah <laughs> like, they're, they're both uh the pandemic i i mean i i also don't like i just want to uh reiterate that you know one of the uh one of the like other things that always gets like tagged on to the metroid prime 4 um you know sort of like hype cycle is metroid prime trilogy um uh metroid prime trilogy hd for the for the switch um and uh you know i all i always want to bring up like how much those games need to be retooled from where they were in the trilogy like the original games don't really make a ton of sense 
um, the way they were controlled, uh, and even switching them over to just like uh, straight twin stick controls d- doesn't really make sense because it's so based on like locking onto something and like kind of strafing around it. Um, and so like that all needs to be retooled. And then also, uh, Metroid Prime Three was all like the pointer controls. Um, and like just this over reliance on like you get in the ship and you have to like twist a thing and like all motion control stuff that would have to change. Uh, and that obviously carries through to whatever Metroid Prime Four is going to be. Um, that that also needs to. It's it's not just taking an old formula and making a new game with it. Like it's it has to be changed. The games need to be fundamentally updated on a control level. Um, so. If they end up taking like so much longer with this than everyone expects, like I totally understand. Well, you know, we, I think you brought it up uh, when we did our episode about what we do and don't want to see with Metroid Prime 4. But I just want to reiterate it with as more time passes, like I am actually not really interested in a Metroid Prime 4. I think it is time to leave the original like Metroid Prime trilogy kind of as a completed thing behind. I know there are teases at the end of Metroid Prime 3 as to where another game could go. But I think, you know, it has been so long since uh, the last game that it's just time for whatever this Metroid, next Metroid Prime game is, I would like for it to be its own thing and not really tied to the legacy of the past three games. Yeah, and some would say that this is Silux uh, erasure, but uh, to those people, I say, yeah, fine, <laughs> erase the character, I don't need him. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts unless you're one of those Silux freaks, in which case, don't review us. <laughs> uh, if you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, where you can share that stuff, uh, but we appreciate it when you do. Um, it's the only way anyone else is going to hear the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark's at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Thank you for listening. Rachel, do you like Disney movies? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen all of them? Yeah, we saw all the Disney animated movies. And we saw all the Pixar animated movies, too. How about the DCOMs? What? What? The Disney Channel original movies. You should listen to our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault, because we are watching all of them in chronological order. Yeah, and we do fun segments like we cast each other. That's right, and my favorite segment, Zaddy Watch, where we rank every single DCOM daddy. Ooh, you can listen to all this fun stuff on our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, let's get back in the vault. It's cold out here. Campfire.